What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops podcast. We are officially in season. We have two more episodes that are going to be team related with the Golden State Warriors and the Charlotte Hornets for their official team breakdowns to end our series. I know it's taking me a lot of time, but we're getting there. I want to have an episode where we just sit down and talk about hoops. I haven't really produced as much content in these weeks because I've just been watching basketball. But now that we have a bigger sample size to play with here, I think there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of things here. But before we get started, make sure to tap in to the podcast uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, for the video version, we have that live up on YouTube as well. But we got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. So obviously... I want to lead with this. The LA Clippers traded for James Harden. As we know, there's been a lot of hoopla as to how good the team can be. Did that make them the favorites in the West? Are they not better for the move? All this and all that. How's it going to work? Right now, the Clippers are 0-4 with James Harden on the team. And a lot of people are clowning James Harden and they're blaming the Clippers' failures on him. When in reality, it's bigger than James Harden as to why the Clippers are losing. So I've watched these games, right? And from my perspective, watching these games, James Harden is a rhythm player. Kawhi Leonard is a rhythm player. Paul George is a rhythm player. Russell Westbrook especially is a rhythm player. So when you're playing lineups that have all of them, You're taking the ball out of people's hands. And I get it, right? Like, you can try to make it work by doing James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, pick and rolls. By doing James Harden, Russell Westbrook, pick and rolls. By potentially doing Paul George, pick and rolls with Westbrook, right? Like, that sounds fine. But at the end of the day, these are players that are more perimeter-based and are better and best maximized with the ball in their hands. When you have all four of them together, they don't really complement each other. And I've been consistently seeing that the way they play basketball, a lot of it is just your turn, my turn, when all four are out there on the court. And so far in their first four games, I'm seeing James Harden a lot of the time catch the ball in the corner or the hash, not shoot the ball, dribble, and it kind of messes up the possession a lot. Now, he's cleaned that up in the later half of these games, which is good, but at the same time, despite those lineups having issues, Ty Lu continues to be a bad coach. In my estimation, I don't think Ty Lu has really maximized this team like he could. I think he's played a lot of lineups that make zero sense, literally, in the Mavericks game, which this is probably the biggest example. I hope he doesn't do this again. But Ty Lu literally ran a lineup at like the top of the second corner that featured Russell Westbrook, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Bones Highland, and P.J. Tucker. That is right. I gave you a five-man lineup that had P.J. at the five with a bunch of guards, basically like a four-guard lineup. And at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook, no, sorry, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Paul George are on the bench. I don't know how you trade for James Harden and you still somehow find a way to not play one of James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, or Paul George. I 
I think you cannot have lineups like that. And in the Dallas game, they were up a lot. Like, they were up like nearly eight points, I'm pretty sure. But then once that lineup comes in, they go down to a 20-2 run. And at that point, Kyrie gets hot. Lucas stays cooking, which he finished that game shooting 17 for 21. It was ridiculous what Luka Doncic was doing to the Clippers. And they just could not survive to win. So that was a really bad game. But then the most recent game was versus the Grizzlies. And I said this coming in, Memphis is the team that has underperformed dramatically for the entire season. They went into that matchup being 1-7. They were like the worst team in basketball. Technically, they they still are, but the Detroit Pistons are now 2-9. and nine, So, you know, it's close. But Memphis is 2-8 for eight now on the season. And for the Clippers, the defense actually wasn't an issue to me because they were able to keep Memphis to a relatively low-scoring game. Memphis also didn't help themselves with the shot selection that they had, settling for threes after getting stops as well. But for the Clippers, it just came down to not having a consistent offensive go-to. And even Paul George at the end of those games was a guy that was just creating his own shot, which is fine. But they didn't have really like a sense of continuity in terms of what they were trying to get to. Um, James Harden has been a minus so far, but these stats where like you're showing how much of a, a negative James Harden is, I don't really buy too much stock into it because right now they're trying to figure things out and we have an extremely low sample size. I think as they continue to play games, they'll get used to each other, but ultimately there is a ceiling on how productive they can be. Zubak as a center is not a great starting center in terms of his his consistent pick and roll play and getting off of the ground quickly to you know dunk the ball and catching it off the passes he's not that athletic and his defense is kind of questionable he can be a solid shot blocker but it's not great and their backup big Mason Plumlee got injured in the game versus the Knicks I'm pretty sure so they have a lot going on right now and I just feel like when you look at this team, they have a lot of guards who, I'm not going to say have egos, but they they really need the ball to be maximized. And the staggering is not the answer because even when you're watching them stagger, what they want to get to clearly, it just feels like a lot of isolation basketball. And I don't think that's the answer for a team that has been trying to figure out a path to success for some years now. It feels like the Clippers still have the same issues. They're still getting out-rebounded. They still don't have the size to compete with some of these other teams. And now you added another player in that, which isn't some defensive stopper, which isn't some like natural catch-and-shoot three-point guy, but is naturally best with the ball in his hands as a playmaker. If you're trading for James Harden, James Harden should have the ball to playmake. Taking him off of the ball doesn't really make sense. So I think they're trying to figure these things out. It's a bit rough but it's early so we'll keep monitoring that situation i just wanted to point out that they are 0-4 since the harden trade and and like the harden hate is out there right a lot of people are just ready to hate on harden and this is a great transition especially seeing that his comments about him being a system all this and all that and how he wasn't happy with his role in philadelphia these were real things that happened and the team that he was traded from the Philadelphia 76ers are currently the best team in basketball. They've only lost one game last night 
Tyrese Maxey had a 50-point performance. Joel Embiid also poured in 30-plus points, and they beat the Indiana Pacers. And for the Sixers, it's looking like very fun basketball. Nick Nurse is showing why he was a much better coach than Doc Rivers, a much better coach, emphasizing ball movement. And despite all of the, the rumors about the team coming into the season about what was going to happen with the James Harden stuff and all this and all that, this team played basketball, they traded Harden, and they banded together with ball movement, dribble handoffs, cuts to the basket, good three-point shooting, and the wings playing defense. This team looks like a completely different team than the team that we saw last year. And I kept saying this last year, a lot of their losses, especially in the playoffs, came down to a offense that became super predictable, a lot of high pick and rolls. The team wasn't moving, and I'm not going to blame James Harden on that fully, but Nick Nurse has fully unlocked that Sixers team to just have a multiple styles approach to winning games like there's just way more um movement for the team and movement matters even with the celtics last year if you saw how they played the heat a lot of it was teams not moving and making their offense so predictable that you could not generate quality looks not the sixers team a lot of ball movement tyrese has been spectacular in the guard role he's learning more and more how to create offense with playmaking he's not really turning the ball over i think he has like 27 assists to one turnover in this stretch crazy that he's only turned the ball over once but he's also finding the confidence in himself to shoot the ball way way more tyree's going for 50 man i mean he's a very nifty guard one of the quickest guards in the nba but also has a great balance with his step backs and pull-up shots he's just an efficient guy and the way he came in the league he wasn't like this knockdown shooter he was shooting 30% from three. And I remember a lot of people labeled him as like this non-spacer. And in one offseason, he put the work in to get that shot falling. And now he's turned into one of the best perimeter shooters in the NBA. So I'm loving that. And for Joel Embiid, the best player on the team, who I felt like avoided a lot of criticism in key moments, I am very excited with what we've seen from him as well. Because for Joel Embiid, this is a guy that routinely to me has had some issues passing out of double teams and making extra reads but the playmaking from Joel Embiid has been a lot better than prior campaigns as well so I'm seeing improvements from a lot of people on this team they just traded for more wings in Batum and Covington from from the Clippers trade who are actually playing more basketball minutes Kelly Oubre unfortunately got hit by a car we hope that he's okay because that's a crazy thing to just hear in season an NBA player getting hit by a car that's tough but for the Sixers as a whole they're playing very good basketball I'm pretty sure they're top five in offense and defense right now and they're just simply rolling in that Eastern Conference so big shout out to the 76ers they are the hottest team in basketball and a lot of people especially after the Harden trade probably wouldn't have put them there especially considering how they're outperforming the Bucks considerably which a lot of people came into the season saying that this is probably a two-team conference. Initially, for a moment, I thought it was going to be between the Celtics and the Bucks as well. But I kept saying the Bucks as a roster, I have questions for. And it's a long season, so it's no point to overreact in our first 10 games. But that's just how things have looked for them. But again, shout out to the Sixers. They really, really deserve that. They play really amazing basketball. But this segues us 
to another team that's playing great basketball. The Houston Rockets, y'all. That's right. The Houston Rockets with Dylan Brooks, Operation Goon, Jay Sean Tate, and all of these guys are playing phenomenal basketball. Phenomenal basketball. I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Houston Rockets. You're seeing a lot of great effort in how they're playing. I have to say, Udoka, like I thought, would come in and really make this team a real team. Last year for the Houston Rockets, I'm pretty sure many Rockets fans will tell you they did not have a strong sense of leadership. They did not have a strong sense of accountability. They had players that were literally getting upset and frustrated with the coach, walking out of the games. There wasn't a sense of respect. There wasn't a sense of accountability. There wasn't a sense of what do we want to do to win basketball games? Nothing was really consistent. And I feel like for Udoka, the system that he's created for the Houston Rockets, it starts with a defensive-minded approach first, but it also starts with guys taking better shots on offense and more ball movement. And you're seeing that at a high level. Dylan Brooks, listen, as someone who has been a Dylan Brooks hater for his days in Memphis, I acknowledge how good he was defensively, but I felt like he would hijack the offense a lot of times for Memphis I will not take those comments back. I truly do believe that he was that player. But in terms of growth, his shot making has been absolutely spectacular. He's one of the most efficient players in the league this year for the Houston Rockets. And his defense has been all world. He's been a very good defensive player for the Houston Rockets. And he's been arguably one of their most consistent producers. And Shingun continues to amaze with his playmaking, his rebounding, and the way that he's getting guys involved. Seeing Jokic versus Shingun last night was a very fun matchup. And this is a team that still hasn't gotten the most from Amon Thompson just yet. I'm pretty sure right now he's going to be able to get back in the lineup later on during the season. But this is a team that is outperforming all expectations. Am I saying the Rockets are going to be a playoff team? I don't believe so. I'm still not sure exactly how it's going to pan out. We've seen a lot of teams have hot starts and then, you know, cool off towards the end. But that shouldn't matter. For Houston Rockets fans, this is a team that is literally one of the hottest teams in basketball. I'm pretty sure they've won like five or six games straight now. And the effort and the system that they have, win, lose, or draw, if you're in a rebuild and you're trying to figure out exactly what your vision is for these players, this is how you want to do it. You want to win against competitive teams. You want to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. You don't want to get blown out. You want to fight. And Houston is doing that. Houston is is reinstilling their culture of being a franchise that, you know, has won a lot over the past 20 years, despite right now the fact that they're rebuilding. And they're playing phenomenal basketball. And, and they're beating teams that a lot of people didn't have them beating. They just beat the Denver Nuggets, who have only lost twice this year. Once to the Rockets and once to the Timberwolves. So shout out to the Rockets, man. They're playing well. Their fan base has been loud and they've been waiting for this. Rockets fans, to me, do deserve it because after the James Harden stuff, they've had to watch some pretty bad basketball for some years now. So this gives them a chance to really just suit up and be prepared for a new regime in Houston. I'm very excited with the construction of the team and the guys that can take leaps. And we still haven't seen Jalen Green take that like crazy, like star, star leap yet. But the processing from him to me still looks better, even though he's not making shots. So that's really what matters, right? Like 
being ready to play basketball, making the right reads, playing defense, being engaged on both ends of the court. You're seeing a younger team fully embrace that with leadership from Van Fleet, who's been a much better playmaker this season than I thought he would be. I got to give him credit on that. And you're seeing it with Dylan Brooks, who is setting the tone defensively and has brought a great vibe to the Houston Rockets. It's just happy basketball right now for Houston. And a lot of teams right now, considering how they're starting the season, are not that happy. So big shout out to Houston, man. It's a great thing going on over there. I got to stand on business because I am one of the people that thought Houston would be a bit lower. But I did think that their coach would instill a great sense of culture and I was right about that because he's absolutely done that so far to the start of their season. So that's great. And this takes us to another team that is, has surprised a lot of people. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Guys, I'm very happy about this. I have documented recordings from the podcast on Wax where I told you guys in the offseason, Minnesota is probably going to be a very good team. I looked at their roster. Okay, I saw what they did last year, and I looked at it and said, this should be a good team. Let's talk about it, right? So you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Anthony Edwards, you have Jaden McDaniels, who, by the way, grew to 6'10". I'm pretty sure he's nearly 6'11", really, but he grew to that size. And then you have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's one of their better defenders as well, off of their bench, Kyle Anderson, and Rudy Gobert controlling the stuff in the paint with Anthony Edwards taking another leap. I looked at this roster coming into the season and I said, guys, this should be a very good team. And they have been. The Minnesota Timberwolves are 7-2. and two, And that's after a, a bad loss to the Raptors where the offense couldn't really get things going. But they've won a ton of games. They beat the Denver Nuggets. They beat the Boston Celtics. They just beat my team to go to State Warriors yesterday as well and their defense has been all world rudy gobert is back he's officially back in the defensive player of the year conversation you are seeing the utah jazz version of rudy gobert for the minnesota timberwolves but it's not with donovan mitchell as a poa defender it's not with jordan clarkson as another guard defender it's not with bogdanovich as another guy who's on their defensive chain it's not with Royce O'Neal it's with Anthony Edwards Jaden McDaniels Nikhil Alexander Walker at times and Nas Reed as just guys who can float and play defense even Mike Conley has an understanding of what he wants to get to on the defensive side of the basketball as well so honestly I've seen nothing but great things from the Timberwolves now again it's early right we've seen teams start out well and really cool off but what's encouraging is for the majority of their stretch Corinthian Towns has not shot the ball well and I want to highlight that because while Cat hasn't shot the ball well everything else that they wanted to see from Cat he's done he's rebounding the ball at a high rate so him and Gobert are really controlling things in the paint he's helping way better defensively than before in the Denver game the way that he was on Jokic leading him to go bear was huge and instrumental to their success and Cat continues to just add to the lineup with his size his length and the way that he's attacking closeouts I mean if you watch the Golden State game last night the way Cat took the ball and just attacked closeouts comfortably shot the three got to the paint he just put a lot of pressure on the basket and it helps because when Anthony Edwards 
didn't have it going early on, even though he did finish with 33 points, you know, albeit on 27 shots, you're seeing Carl Anthony Towns be that release valve for them offensively. And he still hasn't really poured it in just yet like we know Cat can do. So I think this team has a lot of different styles, a lot of different actions that they can get to. And I think it's a massive help that Cat hasn't been that great because they've still found ways to win basketball games. So imagine when everyone is fully clicking and is fully going on the offensive end. Because defensively, I'm pretty sure they're still the best team in the NBA. They've been that good. The rim protection has been stellar. Last night, I'm watching the game. Guys just could not get to the paint. Minnesota's been great, man. They've been great. I still believe that they're going to finish the season with home court advantage in the Western Conference. I think they're that good of a team. That's the take that I, I will, you know, stand on. Last year, I thought the same, but currently Towns wasn't healthy enough for us to see it. We then got a chance to get another offseason of them working together. And so far, it's really benefited them and they're playing great basketball. So shout out to Wolves Nation. Hashtag raised by wolves, you know, type beat. But they've been great to watch. And that takes us to one more hot team before I get to my team. That takes us to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks were a much harder team to rank before this season. And I said this in the podcast that I did with the Mavs Outsiders podcast. The Dallas Mavericks are a team that on paper, the rim protection looks iffy, right? Like it's a, a question of like how good they can be. Derek Lively was a rookie player. I wasn't sure of what I was going to get from Derek Lively. A, a lot of Duke fans as well watching him play basketball didn't think he was going to be that great. But Derek Lively has been one of the best rookies with his role defensively. The way that he jumps up and catches lobs from Luka, it's been spectacular. And he's absolutely held it down with rim protection with Maxi Kleber. It's been working very well for Dallas. And they've had games where, to me, it's been favorable to Dallas, but they've won. And that's with Kyrie being in and out of the lineup. And a lot of their success, as it usually is, has been predicated on Luka Doncic being one of the best players in the NBA. He's played like a top three performer the entire season. He's been balling pretty much every single night. Killed the Clippers, killed the Nets with that post-hook game winner. Luka has just been a sensational guy. And I just want to quickly say this before we get to the rest of the team. The idea that people wanted to punish Luka for not making the playoffs last year, like he still wasn't one of the best players in the league, is kind of funny to me. Like, all the narratives that take away from Luka, I never understood because Luka always performed at that level. Even in the playoffs, when they went down 0-2 versus the Phoenix Suns, Luka Doncic was sensational. And all these other things taken away from his play when all he does is hoop, I don't really understand. But Luka's been spectacular yet again to the season. He's a big part of why they are the number two seed in the Western Conference right now. But the scary part, is through all this stretch, Kyrie has not really been himself. I'm pretty sure he started out his season injured, but he's coming back in the form now. I love the processing of his catch and shoots. I like how he pushes the pace accurately and properly. And you're seeing Kyrie and Luka start to develop a bit more chemistry when they're on the floor together. But Kyrie poured in, you know, seven threes last night. They are learning how to play together at an alarming rate. And the fact that Kyrie hasn't been that great as a three-level scorer, that is picking itself up. 
And Grant Williams has been playing great basketball for them as well. So now they're getting production from a lot of other areas, and they're the number two seed in the West. I mean, that that is that's just that's a huge accomplishment for Dallas. Obviously, we got to see how Dallas closes their season out. But so far, Dallas has been very, very impressive. And when Kyrie gets it going with Luka, it's very hard to stop because Luka's just been unstoppable. He he's an MVP candidate for a reason. If Kyrie's able to step his game up with him as well, that can be a very dangerous team for sure. I don't know exactly how the playoffs should shake out. There's been a lot of surprises to the season so far, but we'll see how things go, man. I'm just excited to watch basketball because, again, in the Western Conference, all these teams are just shocking people. They're going crazy. We don't have a great barometer as to how good or how bad teams really are. We're going to find that as we get deeper and deeper into the season. So that's really curious. But Tyloo should be fired. just want to note that again. <laughs> you know. But that takes me to my team. The Golden State Warriors. We are now six and five. Um, our losses have come to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We nearly lost to Houston. That didn't happen. But how I view this team, it's really what I said before. And you'll see those thoughts Thursday. I'm not gonna spoil those entire thoughts because that full podcast will be dropping on Thursday. But this team is a team that has a good defense i think defensively for the majority of the season they've looked great but it's really been the offense that's been taken away from what they're doing defensively uh not a single player on the roster outside of dario Saric, through 11 games so far for the golden state warriors has been able to drop 20 points every game has been steph curry Last night, Steph Curry had 38 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which fully schemed against him. He still gave them 38. I understand he took 25 shots to get it, but still, 38 is 38. He's getting to the free throw line, and he's not getting any help. The only other guy getting to the paint and getting to the free throw line consistently is Kuminga, which is great, but Kuminga's also going one for seven, two for eight from the field. Like, I understand rim pressure, that's a huge thing that he's doing that more. But the fact that he's only shooting that well from the field goal, that's not good. He's the only guy on the roster that shows any sense of like pop or flash. Andrew Wiggins has been so, so, so bad to start the season. Defensively, he's been getting blown by more times than not. He's starting to crash the glass more, which is good. I think that that's huge for his confidence and how he needs to get things going. But the three-point shot hasn't been falling the offense from him has been kind of terrible he's not attacking closeouts to get to the basket anymore a lot of it is just post hooks post fades off balance leaning jumpers and just shot chucking threes that he's settling for and clay thompson has been kind of you know mid to bad as well i mean clay has had many games where he started out two for seven and he's finished like shooting very abysmal from the floor and despite all this we won six games i mean there's many ways you can look at this. You can look at this saying Golden State is cooked. You could look at it as saying no one else has scored 20 points and we're still a top six seed so far and we've lost to good teams. I mean, all, all, the, teams, all the teams we lost to have been good teams that I felt like we could have still beat, but we just didn't edge out, right? The Cavs and the Wolves have been great teams when healthy and we've come, you know, close to beating these teams but then you know things haven't gone our way and we weren't able to win 
I think that the Chris Paul experience so far has been an interesting one because I said this coming in. Uh, Chris Paul to me is a player that I haven't really been high on in terms of the other aspects off the court. But even on the court with Chris Paul, I keep saying this. Chris Paul and Draymond Green is redundant. I said this in the podcast. You guys will hear that Thursday. Seeing Chris Paul and Draymond on the floor together, uh, they don't have to respect two guys. And as much as I've loved Draymond's shot mechanics and his quick trigger to shoot the ball, that's been phenomenal for us for him to not hesitate. It's ultimately an issue if the defense can say, we don't care about you, Draymond. We don't care about you, Chris Paul. And that's what the Wolves did last night. They just didn't care about these two guys. And Curry tried playing these two guys together with Steph Curry. And it made it a lot harder to get good, consistent offensive looks out there. And Chris Paul, while he's been good with the bench unit, He's also had moments where I feel like, okay, we have the numbers on a fast break or we have the numbers this way. Instead of slowing down the offense, let's keep running. Let's let's keep it going. Let's turn defense into offense. Golden State, for many years, while they've been a very potent shooting team, obviously, right? They've been a team that has been predicated for turning their defense into offense. That's what we've seen consistently for the Golden State Warriors. So when they're not doing that, they're putting more pressure on their half-court offense, which hasn't been too great for the past two years considering the roster that they have. So not being able to get out in transition and get to those three-point opportunities and turn the pace up has hurt the Warriors more than it's helped it. But Chris Paul, to me, is playing an important role because you need someone to slow down the offense for the second unit so they can get the best looks imaginable. But it hasn't looked necessarily great over these last three games. I feel like a lot of it, though, just comes down to how they're shooting. I mean, last night, Golden State was shooting 20% from three headed in the halftime. I don't think it's a winnable game if you're going to shoot that badly from the three-point line and literally shoot 37% from the field goals. We actually beat the Wolves in the game early on with our rebounding efforts. When you're not making shots... When you're not making free throws and when you're not making threes, you make it very hard on yourself to win when you're not this like physical team in terms of size like that. So that's been an issue and that's been exposed over these last three games. But we're still six and five. We're above 500 in our first 10. That's all I wanted. We were able to get that. But there's a lot to go. There's a, a long season and we need more production from Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. That that stat where only Dario Sarge is the only one to score 20 points, that cannot continue to hold up for the season, or we're going to be a much worse team than, than people thought. Again, I came in saying this is a five or six seed type of team. I do think that, you know, stylistically, our bench has been one of the better benches in the NBA. It hasn't been as great these past three games, but overall, we've seen some good impact from that bench, and we've won a lot of games against good competition this year so i mean we'll have to see exactly how this stuff shapes out but overall those are my thoughts uh on the nba so far there's obviously more teams more hype things to talk about but i don't want to make this first podcast too long we're going to be doing more recap types of things like these uh on the channel i'm going to have like focused videos on specific teams and players obviously but for the podcast at least once a week we're gonna do a deep dive on some teams and some topics i have we still you know haven't really talked about like the hawks 
the Nets with Cam Thomas, the Grizzlies start. We're going to have dedicated videos on these types of things. But overall, if you like this stuff, let me know about your thoughts in the comments about these teams. What do you think about the 76ers, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Warriors, the Wolves? We covered a good amount of NBA teams this time around. But I'm going to catch you guys in the next uh, video. The podcast where I'm giving thoughts about the Golden State Warriors with Double D should be dropping on Thursday. So make sure to tap in for that. But as always, I'll catch you guys in the next Gifted Hoops upload. Also, if you want to see me watch these games live, I've been watching games on playback. So tap in there. All those links will be in the description. Peace out, people. Have a good one. And appreciate basketball. Overall, basketball has been in a very good space to start the year. And I'm very excited to be covering it. This is some really, really dope stuff that we're seeing. But peace out, people. Have a good one.